Howdy, howdy, howdy. Riffers and rifferettes. This is David Sanchez, and this is episode 55 of the Riffs or Die podcast for Wednesday, November 24th, 2021. I hope you all are doing well and thriving in the pseudo-apocalypse. As always, if you want to support the podcast beyond just listening and sharing with your friends, you can go to riffsordie.com and pick up some merch, or you can join me for the monthly Zoom hangouts by subscribing at patreon.com slash riffsordie. We're going to do the next Zoom hangout on this Saturday, the 27th. So if you want to hang out with me in real time and be able to look me in the eye and tell me what you really think and how you really feel, you can go to Patreon and sign up, patreon.com slash die. You'll also get discounts for the web store and access to exclusive content that you can only find there. There's some bonus podcast episodes, and I'll be fleshing that thing out with some more special bonus content for you all shortly. I hope you all enjoyed the last episode the one that I did with my girlfriend and her business partner, Warren Lee, the two that make up the core of Heavy Realty. I hope you guys learned a few things in that one. And, uh, you know, I'm getting started myself in real estate in a different capacity. I'm not going to be a real estate agent or anything like that, but I'm starting in this world and I'm constantly learning and constantly trying to absorb as much information as I can for this new venture. So what I'm getting into is what's called wholesaling real estate. And I touched on it just very briefly in that Heavy Realty episode of the podcast. But what wholesaling is, is basically you figure out who is trying to sell their house and who might have a problem that they need fixed. Essentially, if someone's like really badly in debt or they're not able to pay their taxes or they just have a house that they don't want anymore, maybe they inherited the house or they're going through divorce or there's a number of other reasons they might be trying to get rid of their place quickly, you find those people and you basically get it under contract for a price and then you go and find a cash buyer like a flipper or an investor, somebody who's got the money ready to rock to buy the place. And you essentially act as the middleman where you get the place under contract at a price and then you take that contract and flip it around to the end buyer. And you make a little bit of money in between there by being the middleman. No different than a car dealership or a grocery store or, you know, pretty much anywhere you go and buy something. Let's say the grocery store. They're basically acting as the wholesaler to you. They're buying something at a lower price from the manufacturer that's selling the product, and then they cook in a little bit of profit for themselves and sell it to you. So something like a grocery store or a car dealership or guitar center or whatever, they're basically acting as the wholesaler in the middle of the transaction between the supplier and the buyer, and they make a little bit of money in there. That's essentially what wholesaling real estate is. And that's what I've been learning over the last month or so. There's a lot to learn. And uh, right now I'm in the midst of wrapping my head around the contracts for buying and selling real estate here in Colorado. And it's a lot to learn. It's, uh, I feel like I'm learning to be a paralegal. 
I don't want to go to law school though. So I'm just going to stick with <laughs> YouTube and asking questions and, and talking to my real estate attorney about some of the details that are fuzzy. But I'm really stoked to start getting my first deals and I'm going to be working on that for the rest of this year and definitely well into next year. I actually ran into somebody uh, not too long ago. I was driving through a neighborhood doing what they call driving for dollars. And essentially you drive through neighborhoods looking for houses that are really tore up and uh, you save those into a list so that you can contact those people later. If you see that their house is massively distressed, that's a good candidate for someone that might be willing to sell their house at a little bit of a lower price because they could get more money for it, but maybe they don't have the money to fix it up and their house is like visibly under the weather, so to speak. But anyway, I was driving for dollars in this neighborhood and I came across a house that had a big dumpster in front of it and I saw some dudes talking in the driveway and I drove past them a couple times and on my third time of driving past them, I decided to stop and roll my window down and I asked them like, hey, what are you guys doing? Did you guys just buy this place? And they said, yeah, we did. I asked them, cool, are you guys investors or flippers? What, What are you guys doing with it? And they started talking to me and they said, well, we're flippers, investors, and we're wholesalers. And I was like, oh shit, I just started wholesaling. I'm, I'm getting my driving for dollars lists together and told them that I'm brand new, but I'm learning. And, uh, you know, this is what I want to start doing. And I got to talking with the guy there, the main dude who, who took it over and owns the business. And, um, we hit it off and he basically told me that he would be down to mentor me and teach me a few things. So I am elated, super stoked that now I have a mentor. I'll be meeting up with him sometime next week and picking his brain and learning some stuff and trying to figure out this business. And I'm just beyond excited and grateful to have the opportunity to learn from someone who's an expert. I could figure it all out by myself, but it's going to take way longer to do that. I never wanted to do it all by myself. So I'm going to be learning from an expert and uh, fingers crossed that all works out well. He's a really cool guy. Seems like it's going to go well. And a lot of what the business is, is talking to strangers. But from all my years and years of touring, I'm pretty used to talking with strangers. It's very normal for me to bullshit with people that I've never met before. That's uh, nothing new to me. And it's not very scary. It might be scary to some people that are introverted or don't like talking to people, but that's not me, luckily. So rocking and rolling has paid some dividends in my people skills, I guess you could say. But that's what I'm up to recently, reading a lot of books, watching a lot of YouTube, reading articles, asking questions of people that do this for a living, and it's a, it's a lot to learn but it's going to be exciting. I'm really excited to do it. It seems like fun and uh, a fun challenge. And I'll get to help people. It's going to be a good time helping people solve their problems. And then, you know, there's also something in it for me financially. That's a win, win, win. The seller wins because you're helping them solve a problem. The wholesaler wins and makes a little bit of money. And whoever the end buyer is wins as well whether that's a flipper or if it's a family that's trying to move into the place, everybody wins in this situation. So that's why I'm so excited to get into it. There's not really many downsides to it. 
just helping people and allowing everybody to find some level of success in the deal. If you have any interest in learning about wholesaling real estate, you can definitely write me an email at podcast at riffsordie.com and I would be happy to uh, point you in the right directions to obtain some of the information that I have. There's a lot of good info out there and a lot of it is free, but if you want to spend a tiny bit of money, you could go buy a book. And I've got just the book to get you down the right path. I know a couple of them. One of them I talked about in the last episode with Heavy Realty, and that's the uh, Investing in Real Estate with Low and No Money Down by Brandon Turner. And the Amazon link for that book is in the description of the last episode, episode 54. If you want to learn how to invest in real estate with no money or very little money, definitely you are going to want to read that book. But that's where my brain is recently. It's uh, gone down this rabbit hole of real estate stuff, and I'm uh, very far down the rabbit hole, but there's still so much more to explore. That's what I've been up to. Of course, the world doesn't seem to be getting any less crazy since I've last spoken with you guys. (laughs) I saw something today that I want to talk to you guys about because this thing relates to lyrics that I've written that are on V. And it's just really mind-blowing. It's really crazy how much some people in this country are trying to rewrite history and erase history. I'm talking about how in New York City, the City Hall building removed their statue of Thomas Jefferson. Right here, I'm reading this article from The Guardian. It says, City Public Design Commission voted to send the 884-pound, 7-foot statue to the New York Historical Society because Jefferson enslaved people. Now, they're going to remove this statue because Jefferson had slaves. They're going to erase the history and attempt to rewrite history and just kind of write this guy out of the story. Now, the problem I have with that is that, in my opinion, it would be better to add a plaque next to the statue, maybe explaining that this guy wrote the Declaration of Independence and helped write the Constitution of this country. He's essentially referred to as the author of America. And I think that it would be way more beneficial to add a plaque or something that says, hey, Jefferson was the author of America. And he wrote that all men are created equal. Yet, at the same time, he owned slaves. And there's writings of Jefferson from way back in the day where he's talking about the horrors of slavery. But he owned them. So clearly this guy was not as perfect as the things that he wrote down on the parchment. And he was obviously conflicted in his own mind. He had some form of cognitive dissonance, for sure. He was talking about how bad slavery is. But he owned slaves. So maybe the man wasn't as perfect as the ideas he wrote down. Maybe adding a plaque like that would make a lot more sense than just removing him out of the story, removing him out of the picture completely. That's my take on it, but a lot of people don't see it that way. They just want to get rid of it. And it reminded me of the song that I wrote that's on V called Cosmetic Surgery. In cosmetic surgery, the lyrics say, You can alter the way things appear to be on the outside, 
but it doesn't change the reality that you try to hide. You can try to rewrite history all you want, but the history is still there, especially now in this age of information where we can look things up. It's a lot harder to erase history, yet here we are. They're trying to do it. They're trying full stop. It's starting to look a lot like the Ministry of Truth in 1984. Just delete the history, alter the history. Because if you change history and no one has any basis of what has happened in the past, then you can control what they think today. If they have no knowledge of history and all they have is what you're telling them today, well, then that's all the information that they have to base their whole opinion and view of the world on. What you told them. And of course... I wrote in this song too that history is written by the victors. Well, history has been written by the victors, but there's people that are trying to erase even that history. That filtered history is trying to be erased. So it was already filtered and distilled down to this story that was written by the victors. And they're trying to manipulate and change that So we're only getting further and further away from the truth. The truth is Thomas Jefferson did own slaves. But the truth is also that he was the author of America and one of the great, quote unquote, founding fathers of this country. Both of those things can be true. Both of those things should be taught. But instead of teaching both things, let's just delete him from the history books. Because that seems like a great idea, right? Another lyric from Cosmetic Surgery that's super relevant to this story is in the second verse. I wrote, Truth killers are on the hunt again to make another kill with the stroke of a pen. They will choose what you learn today because tomorrow the truth becomes what they say. They will choose what you learn today because tomorrow the truth becomes what they say. That's it. They are going to choose for you what you get to learn because they're not going to give you the full history. They're just going to say, this is what happened. Believe us. We're the ministry of truth. You don't have access to any other information. So there you go. Your mind is now in the box that we created for it. Have a great day. Totally bonkers. I know this is a story that's not the normal stuff people are talking about right now. (laughs) There's plenty of other things that people have been distracted with or obsessed with because the media told them to obsess over it. But I found this story to be especially interesting. Because the active effort to erase and deny and rewrite history is super real. And this is a prime example of that. Cosmetic surgery totally applies to this situation. And so does the first track on V, post-truth era. We're kind of living in this where... The truth doesn't really matter to some people in this country anymore. It's not just in this country. It's all around the world. 
but some people don't care about the truth. Some people think that the truth doesn't even exist, that there is no such thing as truth. There's no such thing as objectivity. Now, maybe there is some truth to that, that everything we observe is an opinion and not a fact. Marcus Aurelius famously said that. However, I will bring up that we basically live in a consensus reality. We live in this reality where we all kind of agree we have a consensus that the sky appears blue. Clouds, most of the time, appear white in the middle of the day. The sun equals heat. Snow is cold. Water is wet. These are things that I would argue fall under the umbrella of our consensus reality. Maybe none of those things are true, but we all kind of agree that those things are true. And I think that that's probably where we need to start when we're talking about things that are true or not. Maybe there is no truth. Maybe there is truth. But that doesn't really change the fact that we live in this consensus reality where we agree that certain things are the way that they are. There are people, though, out there that would prefer to live in this fantasy world where there is no consensus reality either. Where we can't agree on anything because nothing's real. Maybe that's a fact, too. Maybe we're living in a simulation where nothing is real. But that still doesn't change the fact that we tend to lean on this consensus reality that rocks are hard, water's wet. But there are some people that seem to have been indoctrinated and completely hoodwinked by this thing that Yuri Bezmenov, the ex-KGB agent, called ideological subversion. Ideological subversion, the goal is to get it to where people don't believe in facts. To get it to the point where people can't even believe their own eyes. You could show someone pictures, videos, documents, take them to an actual place and say, look at this, and they still won't believe it. This is also a tactic that Orwell talked about in 1984. In the book, there's a line where it says, The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command. The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. Don't believe things that you see. Don't believe things that you hear. Even if you actually saw them and heard them, don't trust that. Reject your own senses. In this era of deep fakes and all of this rewriting of history, maybe there is something to that. That you can't believe what you see. You can't believe what you hear. That's a fair point. But when we're in this consensus reality and we're all seeing the same things, and I'm not talking about a video, a deep fake or something like that, but something like a concentration camp. You know, there's concentration camps all over Poland, Germany, and lots of places all over Europe. The Russians had concentration camps. The Chinese had concentration camps. They're all over the place. But one thing that Yuri Besmanov was talking about 
is people will get so into this mindset of not believing their own intuition, not believing their own eyes, that you could take them to a concentration camp and they still won't believe that it's real. This is where a lot of people seem to be right now. You could show them evidence, documentation, take them to see it with their own eyes and they still won't believe it. So what do these people believe? That's the important question. People that have succumbed to ideological subversion and won't believe things with their own eyes, even if they could see it, smell it, touch it, taste it, hear it. What do they believe if they don't believe the things that they can sense, feel, and agree with others that it is there? What do they believe in? I'm going to leave that question as food for thought. I'm not going to attempt to answer that right now because I think that question requires a lot more introspection and deep thought than for me to just spitball an answer right here. I might say something regrettable, and I don't want to do that. But if you guys have any good thoughts on that, please feel free to write them in. Podcast at com. These people that deny reality, what do they actually believe? What are some of the things that they do believe in? I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Write me an email, podcast at com. A lot of people that listen to this don't typically write in. I would love to start hearing from you guys, though. If you ever find yourself with uh, five minutes to spare and you want to shoot me an email that's a question or a comment for the show, feel free. Send them over. They're very welcome. Speaking of rejecting evidence that you see with your own eyes, one little thing I want to touch on here before I dive into an email is the fact that this country called Gibraltar has recently just canceled all of their Christmas celebrations. Why have they canceled all of their public Christmas celebrations? Well, because they're seeing a gigantic surge in COVID cases. The thing that's interesting about this is that this country, Gibraltar, has a very high vaccination rate. Now, some of you are probably asking, how high is it? Well, I'll tell you how high it is. The nation of Gibraltar has a 100% vaccination rate. And they are seeing a gigantic surge in Rona cases. Ain't that fun? Now, don't believe your own eyes. Don't believe what you see. Don't believe the data. Don't believe the data. Just live in the fantasy world where that isn't real. Seems like a lot of people are into that. So, um, you know, people want to do that. More power to you. Good luck. But the data from around the world seems to keep suggesting that the places that have the highest Vaseline rates have the most cases of this thing that the Vaseline was supposed to prevent. Now, what that means exactly, I'm not sure, but it would appear to me that it almost seems like the Vaselines are making things worse, not better, 
worse. But maybe I'm just crazy. All I can say is that I am very glad that I waited to get this thing. And you know, there's millions of people that got these things that won't get the booster. And that's great. You are welcome with open arms to the side that seems to be sniffing out bullshit. A lot of people complied the first time, but they're not going to comply again. And that's fine. That's great. The side of people who are skeptics, who were skeptical of this stuff from the beginning, will welcome you with open arms. Come on down. Join the party. We're not going to go way down that road today. I just wanted to mention that because I thought it was relevant to what we were discussing and very interesting. You can look it up for yourself. You might not believe it. You might believe it. I'm not sure where you are on that spectrum, but maybe in the consensus reality, we can agree that numbers are real and math is a thing, even though it's racist. Data and information from around the entire planet seems to be in agreement. What do we call that when an experiment or data shows the same in Baghdad as it does in Brazil, as it does in Japan, as it does in Omaha, Nebraska? We call that something. And I think it's called science. Note, it's not called the science. It's called science. I'm a big fan of science. Not such a big fan of the propaganda term, the science. The science can get bent. Science is very cool. Gosh darn that Carl Sagan. He made me skeptical for the rest of my life. His book, The Demon Haunted World. Science as a Candle in the Dark, that book made me incredibly skeptical of (laughs) practically everything. (laughs) Damn that Carl Sagan and his science making people skeptical, making people ask questions instead of just blindly obeying the science. How dare he? Long live Carl Sagan. He did some great things. He made a lot of people think and a lot of people wonder. He made a lot of people mystified by the natural world. Now, he did work for NASA, so maybe there's some questionable things to say about that. But overall, Sagan's books really had a big impact on my life. And I really love and will always love the cadence of his speech. Whenever I read Carl Sagan's books, I tend to hear his voice dictating the narration to me. Now is my terrible Carl Sagan impression. Dip 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 dip. Let's get to an email. This email is titled "Your Podcasts." Well, they're not my podcast, brother. They're everyone's. If you didn't get the reference, that was Sasquatch from Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. Moving on. 
It says, hey, David, I started listening to some of your podcasts recently, and I got to tell you that I agree with your thoughts on COVID and politics 100%. Also, your commentary on how taxation is stealing and extortion and how you are punished for working hard is dead nuts on. I spent my entire 20s working two jobs and working my ass off on my career only to be raped every paycheck when I finally got to a point where I made decent money. And yes, the politicians are laughing their asses at us. Wait, laughing their asses off at us, I think? While they screw us over. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, keep spreading the word. I hope some of these people wake the hell up. The way things are going, I hate to think what things will look like in 5, 10, 20 years. So much for freedom. Take care. Says, P.S., were you at Elitch Gardens late in the summer with a blonde? I was there with my 11-year-old, and a guy was there that looked just like you. Just curious. Well, to answer the question at the end, no, that was not me. In late summer with a blonde. I haven't been to Elitch Gardens. That's our roller coaster park here in Denver. I haven't been there in, man, probably like five years or something. It's been a long time. So no, that was not me there with a the blonde. But there are a couple guys here in town that look kind of like me. <laughs> Every time I see them, they're like, man, people always think I'm you. I'm like, dude, I get confused for you sometimes. So we're in the same boat. But thanks for the kind words in that email. I, I don't think I'm necessarily correct about everything. I'm opinionated and um you know a lot of opinions are just that not necessarily the truth but i've put a lot of thought into some of my opinions about these things and if you agree with them that's wonderful if you don't agree with them that's all right too i don't want everybody to think like me i just want people to think i may be wrong about a lot of the things that i talk about here And I'm completely open to changing my mind if presented with new information. If the new information contradicts what I previously thought, but it makes more sense, it's more logical, then I'm completely open to changing my mind. And that is the great thing about being a quote-unquote free thinker. I can change my mind whenever I want. If presented with new ideas that crush my old way of thinking, so be it. That's fine. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. There's a big problem with, uh, especially, I guess, in the political sphere where people are so tribalistic and it's got to be this way and this way only because I'm on this team and I can't think any thoughts that go against that. That's dangerous. That's uh, ideological. That's basically religion. It's dogmatic. And that is not the way that I think. If presented with new facts, new information, stuff that sounds good and makes sense to me, I'm completely open with leaving my old thoughts in the dust and going with this new thing. It's very liberating to be like this. I'm not married to one dogmatic ideology. I guess the one bias that I do have regularly, and I'm not quite sure it's ever going to go away, is I do have a bias toward liberty and freedom. Is that a bad thing? I don't think so, but other people probably do. Authoritarians and people that love tyranny and oppressing people and ruling over people and mandating and dictating how other people have to live, 
they don't really like the side of freedom and liberty, but I do. That's where I am, and I'm unashamed of it. With liberty and justice for all, and freedom and Cinnabons at the mall. That's what Thomas Jefferson wrote, right? That's from the Pledge of Allegiance. That's not even in the Declaration of Independence. See, I got you. See, I'm rewriting history. Performing a little bit of historical cosmetic surgery myself. Check me out. Watch me go. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I will get another one of these out soon. Got some good conversations coming up with some other people. I think you guys are going to enjoy those. And if there's any guests specifically that you want me to have on, shoot me an email, podcast at riftsordie.com, and let me know who you want me to talk with. And until we meet again, I will leave you guys with my musical recommendation for the week. And this is an album that I've loved since it came out, and it was a big influence on Havoc's sound. And it honestly just blew my mind when I was a kid and I first heard this. The album I revisited the other day out of nostalgic desires, and it was just as good as the first time I heard it. The album is Children of Bodom's Hate Crew Death Roll. Probably, honestly, had a little bit to do with the difference in sound between Burn and Time Is Up from Havoc. The guitar playing, the keyboard playing, the songwriting, man, it's just on a whole other level. So if you've never heard that record or you haven't listened to it in a long time, revisit it or go check it out. Hate Crew Death Roll by Children of Bodom. That is my recommendation for this one. I hope you all enjoy and you have some good days until the next time we meet again. Don't forget to go to Patreon, sign up if you want to participate in the monthly Zoom hangout that's coming up on Saturday. That's it for now. Take care of each other and yourselves. Try to leave the world a little nicer than the way you found it. We'll be okay. Talk to you soon, everybody. Bye-bye.